This is an oral history of the Lord's move in Plainview, Texas in the early 1960s. It's a story of what can happen when a small group of students love Christ and His church and give their lives to God's purpose in a practical way. The following is a testimony from Don Looper, who as a student came into the church life in Waco, Texas in 1966. He was shepherded by Benson Phillips, participated in the migration to Houston, and would become a co-worker committed to the campus work in the Lord's recovery. The first time when I was in college that I heard that Christ could be your life was a tape by Ian Thomas that this sister in the Baptist church loaned me. She loaned me the tape and her reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder. It wasn't easy to figure out how to run that thing either. <laughs> big old thing. I mean, he had to lug it around to the big old tapes, you know. And uh, when I heard that, when I heard the first message, and he preached about, well, he had several messages. Uh, she gave me several tapes, but it was the basic thing was Christ is your life. I was just, I was just in shock. I was in shock. And so next, this was just right after that. I got in touch with Brother Nee's ministry through some books that were on sale. And then about six or eight months after that, I found out about Brother Lee's ministry. I was a setup. I had already broken through the barrier. I played these tapes, these Ian Thomas tapes. I took them in the Baptist church I was in. I was the leader of the youth, okay? And I said, okay, in the youth meetings, we're listening to these tapes. You see, that was, that was, that was a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't know any church history. I didn't know if you brought anything new in, you would, you would create a, you know, a reaction, right? So I, I had all the college young people listening to these tapes. Okay, tonight we're listening to. I give them the title of the message, and uh, it'd be about Christ being your life. And I did that about five times or something, and uh, I was called in to have a little discussion about that. And uh, they let me know that uh, that wasn't what they wanted their young people to hear, that I shouldn't do that anymore. So uh, that was the beginning of the end. Okay. That was the beginning of the end. I couldn't do that. Anyway, uh, then he went, to, uh, he, went to the, he went to speak in the assembly hall of the university. He was there as a special guest because you had to go there once a week to listen to some speaker, and he was invited. And if you were a freshman or a sophomore, you had to go to this assembly. And a big auditorium, and here he was, Major Thomas was going to speak. I heard him on tape. I was just sitting there waiting for him to speak. I just, and so he started speaking about Christ, his life, and I thought, oh, wow. And you know what? After about five, six, seven minutes, the whole audience just tuned him out. I never heard... You could always tell that you could always tell when people were listening to a speaker because they put down their newspapers, you know, the college, the daily, and they put it down, and you could you could tell. And there was no whispering. When somebody was boring and they weren't interested, everybody was reading and talking, and you know, just a mess. This was the way they listened to that. I was so I was so disgusted. I, I couldn't believe it. And he knew it. I could tell he knew he had lost the audience. And I, I imagine that was really. Uh, uh, real suffering to him. Anyway, it was very interesting because that night, that very, very night, I decided, I, I don't know why, 
And I never do this but once or twice other than this time. But I decided to go visit this couple in the Baptist church that I went to. And I don't know why I did, except that I, you know, they were an unusual couple who really sought the Lord and were really dear, really dear. So I just went over there that night. I forgot why. I have no recollection at all. But I walked in and he was there. And they had invited him over to, you know, to visit because they were afraid he would be in town and not have any, you know, body to give him hospitality. So they, he had received their hospitality and I went over there and the family was there and he was there. And oh, they were so glad to see me and they introduced me to him. Of course, I already knew him, right, from the tape. He didn't know I was really on to his inner life message. I don't think he'd honestly. I mean, they didn't expect me to come. So we started talking and he just listened a while, listened a while, listened a while. Then he just started sharing. All of a sudden, he just, bam, he started sharing from the Gospel of John about Christ being your life. And he went on like this for a long time. And, and what I remember most, he got into John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He said, he said if you have life, you have light. No life, no light. And he, he, he was sitting next to a lamp and he said, you see, just like this lamp, there's electricity. And so you have light. If you have light, you have electricity. See, no electricity, no light. <laughs> see, and, oh, it was really good. It's just like his messages I'd already listened to. Anyway, that was really unusual. I thought, what in the world? What is all that about? I, I just thought that was really sovereign. Let me tell you a little story. <laughs> I'll do this. I, I've never really done this. But for one time, I'll do it, and uh, I'm positive I won't do it again. <laughs> but as a testimony, you know, I received Christ when I was 18. Right. And at that time, there was a dealing with me. Yeah. It wasn't strung out over years. It was really concentrated. At that time, the Lord did come to me and appear to me in this way. You know, are you for these matters that, that are gains? Or are you for the things that are of Christ Jesus? What are you, what are you for? I was very uh, sports-minded. You just could never imagine. Okay. You're young. I know you're young. And uh, listen, I understand. Don't you think I had my dreams, sure. my aspirations. Uh, you may say, oh, I didn't have to go through that. It wasn't so rough as now. No, no, no. You're having it easy. I'm the one that had it rough. I, I wasn't in any meetings like this. Now, right. I spent all that time from the time... I would say from the time I was in ninth grade to the time I was in twelfth grade. The last year of junior high, that was the way it was. And the three years of senior high, I consecrated myself to getting gains for me. And all of those gains were just a loss to Christ. See? Not necessarily at that time, because I, I didn't care that much about anything. But later, all of those gains were there, and they had accumulated. And whatever was a gain to me, this was a loss to Christ. 
You just live in this realm. You see? My desires, you could call it my dream, my ambition, my goal. I had a lot of goals. And by the time I was, you know, close to being a graduating senior, of all the goals I set out to accomplish in those four years, there was nothing left to do. I had accomplished every goal. You see, there was nothing left. Not a thing, nothing. There was zero. Everything I wanted to do. You know, I was very uh, sports-minded. You just could never imagine. Only my wife has an inkling of just how rooted I was into this. I grew up across the street from the high school. I watched them play football from a little kid, baseball. I watched him and I said, one day I'm going to be like that. You see? And I said, no, look at, the, you know, when you're a little kid, people in high school look like they're a thousand years older than you are. <laughs> right? <laughs> I said, I'm going to be like that. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to be like that. You see? And so, listen, I started to what? Apply myself. See, go for it. Pursue. I was, listen, I was running so hard, only I wasn't running in the direction of Christ, I was running in the direction of personal gains. Yeah, yeah, right. You know what, Clem? You might not believe this, but in those days you played three sports. You played football at the start, you played basketball in the middle, and you played baseball at the end. And uh, track was for for those who couldn't fit into the others. And... <laughs> and, and uh, and uh, you never even knew who was on the swimming team or the golf team. That was nothing. That was nothing. You know, that was, that was for all the wimps who couldn't take the, the you know, who, that uh, they, they weren't really a man, right? That's the way it was. Not, not like today. Not like today, you know, and so forth. And he, so I decided, you know, this was a problem for me because these all three of these overlapped. And so you couldn't, you couldn't do like some people who specialized in one thing. But I, I, I just said, no, I, I have to do it. So the first thing I, I set out to do was to be the best basketball player in the city of Houston. That's a big city. And I'm, I don't look like a basketball player. But back in those days, you didn't have to be as tall. You see, I watched the smaller, shorter people who could handle the ball. And I determined that I would be like some of these guys I saw. I went to Rice to see quite a few of their games when I was just a kid, junior high school. <clears throat> so I did that. And, you know, <clears throat> you wouldn't believe it, but it was a great love I had and a great gain to do that. And you know what? For what they call a point guard now, there was nobody close. They told me that they had never seen a point guard who could handle the ball like I could within the last decade. And that's a big city. That's a big city. That's not just one little district. That's, that's two districts and a lot of other, you see. 
And I never, at that time, because I, I practiced so much, I practiced roughly uh, five hours a day. I practiced so much that whenever a game started, I knew that whoever was guarding me had no chance to stop whatever I wanted to do. And I saw, sometimes when we'd call timeout, I would watch them go over into the huddle, and they just were saying, I don't know what, I I watched the guy covering me, trying to guard me, and he was just saying, I don't know which way he's going. Because you see, I could dribble with both hands, either way, I could, uh, uh, they they never had a chance, and I could just, I had had perfected the, at a young age, these these head fakes and things, and they had had no chance, I, I could, at will, I could do whatever I wanted to. Sometimes I got off three or four, really long shots I could shoot very well and no one believed I could shoot from that far out kind of like where the three-point line is today this is early on and and I would hit him before it would dawn on him you better move out and cover this guy because it's just hitting the net you know through the rim And, and uh, I said, I'm going to be like I had one guy especially who was a player for Texas Tech, and they were good at that time in basketball. And uh, I, to me, I was exactly the same size, and I wanted to be just like him. So I gave myself for that. You know, listen to this. <clears throat> the day I left junior high school, I was a midtermer. This means you, you transferred in the middle of the year. The day I left junior high school, it was a day I went into senior high school. That very, that very day, we had a basketball game, and the, I'd never been to a practice. The coach said, you're starting this game. So I went from junior high and walked on the floor to the senior high basketball game as a starter. Never saw it, looked at the offense, never had run it before, decided, well, I, I guess I can do it. And I just waxed the guy. <laughs> you see? Okay. That was a minor sport. That was a minor sport. Listen, listen, listen. Clem, I know you appreciate this because you play football. In football, I was the leading running back in Houston, also a big, big area, leading running back. One day the coach walked in, he said, well, I don't know what to do. What do you want to do? You want to play quarterback or you want to be a running back? I said, it doesn't matter to me. Just get me in the game. <laughs> so, and so he said, okay, you're, you're, you're running back. So I was a running back. Okay. So I led the sitting run in, in rushing or running. That was my senior year. Okay. And I got injured with two and a half games left. I got injured in the middle of the game. Or from what I heard, I was on a, a line to be all-state running back football. You think of that. This is in big school. It's not 1A, 2A, or whatever. This is, you know, what is today's 5A. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty sure thing. Then the same year, I made all-state in baseball. 
So one time or another, I had been all city, all state, in baseball, basketball, and football. And so when graduation came, of course I got a lot of scholarships. I got uh, four baseball scholarships and four football scholarships and some things like that. I had given up on basketball because I couldn't maintain it all as years went on. Okay, so I gave up on that. So right at that juncture, I, I was going to prove that you could do all of that. I never got home. There was never, I never got home unless I was sick. I never got home before 6 o'clock. And I wanted to prove that athletes uh, could make good grades. So I graduated right, you know, right at the very top. And uh, this really made people, you know, all the excuses went, went out. And I, I accomplished. I wanted to do that, so I accomplished it. Now, don't you think I had, I had dreams? I mean, these were gains. Do you think these were not, these were gains to me, big gains. Yeah, right. People recognized me that I, I never saw in my life. One time I ran into a back end of a car and the guy got out. This is, you know, during this time, the guy got out my front headlight was smashed in. He got out, and before he looked at his car, he looked at me. He says, I know who you are. And I was on the other side of, of the big city of Houston. He says, I know who you are. And he looked at his car. He says, I don't think there's any damage here. Let's just forget it. Oh. <laughs> it was strange. Strange. One time I was on the golf course with another friend. We were playing golf. We weren't any good, but we wanted a little diversion from Saturday. And, uh, and the owner of the golf course, I mean the operator, manager of the golf course, suddenly comes riding up in a buggy, uh, you know, a golf cart, and uh, stops. And he says, uh, wait a minute. Are you two the ones that signed in this morning? We put our names down, you know. He said, well, yeah, we're, we're that one. He says, I know who you are. I saw the game. I saw the game last night. I, I know who you are. And I watched it. I never, I never saw anything like that. Thing, weird things happen. Okay, those were games. Those were games to me. Okay, now listen to this. At this juncture in my life, when I thought, man, just wonderful. This is so wonderful. At this juncture, the Lord came to me and he said, just like this, you know, are you going to, are you going to be according to the gains for you? Are you going to take me as your person? You see, it was so clear to me the gains to me were losses to Christ and brothers and sisters I'm telling you the truth when I really saw Christ at that time it was not a close call 
Amen. He was so rich, so real, Amen. so inwardly satisfying. I just said, no, nothing matters. All these gains just left. I just, they just fell away. For what? The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, just like all the Judaism things fell away from Paul. They were his life. And these other matters were my life. They were my life. They were the essence of what I was all about. And when I received Christ, brothers and sisters, I got a new life. And I did not have the knowledge and terminology I have today. But I know this, that they were very much my life and they were gains to me. And I knew that to receive Christ was to receive an excellency that far surpassed all of these gains. And if we receive this Christ, Listen, John, I don't care what it is that is a gain to you, okay? Your dreams can't be that much different from my dreams. They may not be uh, athletic or whatever, but they're dreams. You want this, you dream about this, you'll have this, you'll do this, you'll have a, the good life. It's a dream, okay? You might have it, you might not. It's not that's not the point. The point is when you receive something that is so uh, wonderful as this Christ that you can pursue after. Listen, from that moment, anybody that knows me, my, my wife is here this weekend, she knows from that moment I, I began to pursue Christ and it was not a, a leisurely affair. I mean, I just went for Him and I dropped all of the, everything, I dropped it all. Everything, it just went away. It just dropped, I just dropped it. You see? Why? Just for the surpassing greatness, the surpassing excellency of knowing this one. Amen. This is what happened to Paul. He was the highest. He had gained the most. He was the uppermost. He was the leading guy. Really? He was the he was the the point man of the religion of of the God of his fathers. He was the point man for that. And when he saw Christ on the road to Damascus, all of that fell away because he saw what? The excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Amen. He saw that. Saints, this is what we're here for. We are here for this. You see, not for our dreams. They may be good. They may be wonderful. They may be nice. I don't know what. But we are not here for that. We're here for the excellency of knowing Christ and gaining Christ. You know what? That was many, many years ago, even decades ago. I can say this morning, after all that time, I I have never, never regretted are been tempted to go back to that old manner of life. Amen. You say, oh, well, you couldn't do it anyway. You're too old to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, even, even inwardly in my being, yeah. I've never felt constrained to take that old Amen. manner of life. Amen. You know why? I, I saw Christ. Paul saw Christ. And it says everything else became as refuse. 
You see, refuse. This is garbage. I don't even begin to believe that I consider the things as refuse as much as Paul. No. But to some extent, yeah, the refuse. The refuse. See, we have to gain Christ. Amen. See, if we don't have a loss, we don't have a gain. That's right. You can't just add Christ to your wonderful life. You have to really clear the deck. And whatever is a gain to you, you have to consider uh, that to be converted into a loss so that you can gain Christ. You follow me? Okay, I think you get this point that the loss and the gain go together. Don't analyze it. Don't say what's first and what's second. Just remember that loss and gain are in the same verse. Okay? If no loss, no gain. We sing that hymn all the time. In fact, I've always enjoyed that uh, word that Watchman Nee shared in that the way of the cross thing. He said, uh, words to this effect, if I can recall, it said, yeah, uh, Let's see. Something about life is not measured by what we gain, but by what we lose, it's scored. You see? How's it go? It's not how much wine is drunken, but how much it's been out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not how much wine is drunken, but how much wine has been outpoured. You see? I think you get the point. Paul says, not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I pursue. Can you believe an apostle is saying that? Can you believe the apostle Paul, after all he's done, after all he's been useful to the Lord, he's saying, I don't consider that I have obtained. He's saying, I don't feel like I've arrived. You know, we say it because that's the way it really is. But with Paul, you would think he wouldn't say that. You would think he would not say that. But brothers and sisters, here's a man who in the deepest part of his being, he does not feel that he has arrived. He's not lying to us here. He does not feel that way. He has not arrived. You know what this means to me? Here's a man that regardless of how much Christ he has, he is still hungry. He wants more Christ. He's hungry for Christ. He wants Him more. You see? He lost all the personal gains and and that was so that he could gain Christ. And now that he has Christ, he wants Christ to the uttermost. He wants Christ and he wants more Christ. That's the heart of this man. He is hungry. And if we're going to pursue Christ, one of the big keys is we need an appetite. We need to desire Him. We need to want Him. We need to be hungry so that we can gain Christ. Amen. Amen. Listen, do you want Him? If you want Him, Troy, if you want Him, you'll get Him. Because He wants you more than you want Him. If you want Him, you will not miss Him. If you seek Him, you will find Him. 
You see, do you want Him? That's all we need to consider. Do you really want Christ? Do you want to pursue Christ to gain Him? Do you want that? If you want it, there's no tricks to it. He's not going to hide Himself. He's not going to, you know, uh, do something that is going to make you... regret that you ever even thought about it because you didn't really weren't able to work it out if you really want him you will gain him Amen. you see but you have to be hung paul's a hungry man Amen. i don't count myself to have obtained I, i'm concerned that after i preach to others i i myself might be rejected from the prize He's not taking anything for granted. Listen, now, while you're young, in your life, at this time, you need to establish a steadfast principle. Right, right. You see, and that is that in your life there is never a time to put it in neutral, to just coast, to just feel like you've leveled off, and to go along at a kind of a a pace that you feel comfortable with. No, that's not the spirit of the New Testament, and it's not the spirit of the Apostle Paul. He's a hungry man. After all of this, he wants more. He must have more. That's why he's what? Stretching. So that he can gain more of Christ. This is to pursue Him. Now you tell me what compares with that.